Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Real Life Work Podcast. I'm Kevin McManus, your podcast host. I'm also the Chief Excellence Officer at Great Systems, located here in the Oregon forest, but virtually around the world. Today's podcast is going to focus on something that's very near and dear to my heart. And I say that with sincerity. I gave these folks about nine months a year for 20 years as a volunteer. And I'm talking about the Baldrige program. So we're going to talk about the Malcolm Baldrige Performance Excellence Award today. But I'm not going to describe how Baldrige works or how you should proceed to go after the award or anything like that. Not That's not my angle. Today I want to share you an angle about my personal profound Baldrige paradigm shift. And if you ever, if any of you remember Joel Barker from back in the day, you know, paradigm shift is where we all of a sudden see things very, very differently. And this one has truly been profound because after I've had it, even in the last 24 hours, I've had two or three occasions when I've looked at something and I say, whoa, that's through the old lens. You were looking at that through the old lens. So, The full text for this will be posted up on the Great Systems website. Just go there and look for the Personal Profound Baldrige Paradigm Shift podcast, and you will also be able to find the written version of this little story. And I kept holding off on posting these thoughts for a bit, but then the Super Bowl rolled around last weekend, and Aaron Rodgers started talking about all of his darkness retreat stuff, and I said, okay, I've got to say something. You know, I'm going to give you a bit of a personal update, but for the past three years, I've been living in basically 95% isolation, and this has largely been by choice. You know, we've got a 60-plus household. We want to go with the best safeguards, right? Of course, after the year or so, it kind of became a habit, maybe even a bad habit. Only one other person has regularly been around me. Now, if you all want to get together and discuss all the potential shift insanity stuff, we can do that later. But I would like to let Mr. Rogers know, and I don't mean Fred, I mean Aaron, that if he does do the darkness thing, he should expect a profound performance paradigm shift or two like I received. And so let's dig into my personal profound pandemic-induced performance paradigm shift. Crazy stuff. But in March 2020, I unknowingly began the third phase of my work career. For more than 15 years prior to that month, I would spend over 100 days a year in airplanes and airports. And if you counted the training days, I spent many more nights in hotels than I did in my own bed. Now, I'm not advocating this. I'm just saying that's how I spent my leader's standard work as a sole proprietor of a performance improvement organization. Now, all of a sudden, I have 100 days a year extra. I'm not spending all that travel time anymore. And what I learned from the effective use of my regained time has been both insightful and life direction changing. And I've had several life direction changes in life. So, you know, that's a pretty profound thing for me to say. And I don't toss profound around loosely either. But prior to going into the second travel phase of my work career, I'd lived more of a normal life. You know, full-time job, didn't have to go that far to get to work, no more than two or three plane trips a year. All of my road trips typically ended up back at home by the end of the day. I worked for five different organizations, five different locations. Each experience brought its own learnings and its own career shifts. However, none of them compared to what making this third life slash career shift is both required and returned to me. 
You know, I learned a lot during my years on the road. And when I'm doing Baldridge simultaneously with teaching taproot root cause analysis to hundreds of organizations, thousands of people, you learn a ton if you're willing to learn. And I definitely was. But I am happy to be living at home again. Now, where it all goes from here is what's going to be the most interesting. And for you, are quite welcome to stay tuned to all of that. But we're going to go back and look at the Baldrige piece here because that's what this podcast is all about. And, and so right now, I just want to keep learning, helping others improve. I regularly post content to my Great Systems YouTube channel. The next step is to offer you know those courses in an on-demand format. Uh, I focus on cognitive ergonomics, organizational ergonomics. I want to know how my brain works, how I can improve the function of my brain. I see a bit of a gap in terms of how we prepare teams for the soft skills in work. I see the same thing with leaders and leaders not getting good preparation into understanding metacognition and how teams can work together, but we have to understand why we know what we know, why we think what we think, and why we make the decisions that we make. You know, we need to understand our metacognition in our teams. And digitalization is also going to be a big thing. But this Baldrige thing, this organizational excellence, operational excellence, has been the most important thing of all. I want to focus on what matters. I know there's many, many smaller organizations out there that are a little bit lost, a little bit confused, a little bit overwhelmed, and I'd like to give them a simple value-added cost-effective roadmap to help them move forward, to help them start regaining some ground, start moving towards getting some profit again, reduce some waste, get some folks back, keep your folks, get your folks trained up, you know, but get to back to where we have some sanity in the place where we spend most of our waking hours. Practice effective minimalism and work system design, that's the key. That's where the profound personal performance paradigm shift occurred. Uh, the other key thing that I didn't realize is all along I thought my job was teaching people how to improve work systems. And it's truly about showing leaders how to change their jobs to support high performance work system designs. And with the Baldrige, it is beautiful, it's exquisite, it's intricate, it's integrated. And it's overcomplicated for the average leader. We do the same thing with operational excellence. We overcomplicate it. And I'm going to come at this from a simple perspective because I'm a sole proprietor. The last three years, that's how I've seen the Baldridge Quality Award criteria. I mean, for 20 years, first two phases of my work career, that's when I was an examiner between 1998 and 2020. During those decades, if you'd asked me how to pursue operational excellence, I would have directed you to the Baldrige Criteria Framework. They're still a great thing to have, a great thing to read. But they're probably an overly complicated map for improving organizational performance for smaller organizations. But if you'd asked for my help in assessing your OPEX readiness or your organizational health, I would have utilized a Baldrige Criteria-based assessment approach. I hope you can tell I'm still passionate about Baldrige to this day. My recommendations here as an engaged advocate for operational excellence are quite different, however. See, here's what kind of what happened. I was an examiner, then a senior examiner, alumni examiner. That's kind of the progression there if you stick with the program. More importantly, I got to go on site visits and I got to 
meet super people and learn super things on these site visits. I got to see excellence in action. But during my final three years as an examiner, I got the privilege of serving as a judge on the National Judges Panel. And as a judge, you get to see all site visit level applications. And I've never been able to see that many national level site visit level applications before. You know, you get a site visit, you get to see your application. Now I'm getting to see 10 to 12, about 10 on average. So during a three-year term, I might get to see 30 different maps for operational excellence. That's how I see the application. It's a map and the results of executing our map. And the resultant patterns you can see across such a set of applications is remarkable. If you pick applications from recipients within your cohort, the patterns are even more remarkable. Here's what happens during the roughly 30 years of Aldridge. Pathways to excellence have been worn into the world of work landscape. All we have to do is study and compare the application summaries. So I've got links in this post that goes along with the podcast. Please check them out. There's so much out there you can learn from without reinventing the wheel. However, with my profound performance paradigm shift, I now have new recommendations for the pursuit of operational excellence because I coach my customers differently. For starters, I suggest they review the recipient application summaries form a cohort of recipients most like themselves. And so for myself, I'm going to go in and look at the smaller organizations, you know, like a Mesa Services, a Texas Nameplate, Branch Smith Printing if I go back in time a ways. But there's several smaller organizations that have been so great to share how they do it If you look at it for organizations like yourself, you can start to see the common design blueprints, workflows, and tools. Now, I'm going to sum all this up in a handout that I'll share with you, but it is nice that these templates exist. Now, the criteria provides a similar template. It is a framework for performance excellence, don't get me wrong, but to most of my smaller organization customers, there's simply too many questions in the criteria. I find that even the smaller question set in the Baldur's Excellence Builder is too much for some. Probably too much for me as a sole proprietor. I've done the math. I've built the, you know, I've filled out my blueprints. I've done my workflows. I, I do about 50 different things. I don't do hundreds. And there's hundreds of questions in the criteria. So here's the paradigm shift. To solve this dilemma, approach it from the inside out. Suppose that you only had to answer 50 questions, including those in the organizational profile. Which ones would you select to answer? Now, the organizational profile, don't think it's a Baldrige thing. To me, it's a, a fundamental thing any organization should do, regardless of size. It's around 20 questions. So why do I care so much here? Why is my opinion so strong here? Well, what I have found in real life work, working with leaders, there's often no consensus on these types of things. We chat about it all the time. We make decisions based on what we think each other believes all the time. But we've never put down in a visual form that all can see and agree to Answers to questions about strategy, customer focus, staff focus, workplace values. And that results in a lack of alignment in daily work efforts. Simple. 
Who are our key customer segments? What are our key workforce engagement factors? How do those engagement factors differ by workforce segment? That sounds foreign to many leaders and it should not. Worse, we don't have consensus on the answers. And I've seen tremendous things happen just on getting consensus on our customer segments, what their key requirements are and which ones are most important. That's one blueprint. Okay. So it's not just filling out forms. If we fill out the forms, see them as maps, have consensus at least among our senior leadership, but not amongst all of our formal leaders as to where we're going with these maps. The completion of these worksheets provides alignment, clarity, and ultimately integration. Now, I mentioned I'm into cognitive ergonomics, and part of that is my mom had early onset Alzheimer's, so she started having cognitive challenges before she even reached 60. I'm doing what I can to try to maintain my cognitive capabilities, if not continue to enhance them. But what I've learned in studying how NASA looks at metacognition and how the brain works in general relative to learning is that the Baldrige content has a bit of an unexpected and unintended cognitive impact. When most humans see either the Baldrige criteria or a Baldrige application for the first time, they typically have the same reaction. It's one of overwhelm, and it could actually push them into fight or flight from a neural perspective. It creates stress. So much work and refinement over so many years has led to a very exquisite, well-defined product assessment tool and OPEX planning guide. Don't get me wrong. However, all most people see are all of the questions. So much data and so many big words. Now, the slimmed-down Baldrige Excellence Builder versions of the criteria that exist help tremendously in this area. Still, sadly, most people don't talk or listen to speech at a grade 10 level or higher as a rule, plus comprehension goes down as that grade level goes up. Critical thinking and complex concepts can create at least momentary confusion in one's mind and adults cringe at confusion, especially post-pandemic adults. Plus, the already have so much other work to do argument does fit these days. In short, the content may not attract many readers. It may not elicit pleasant feelings in the average person, but it is still value added. So we need to use the filters of both minimalism and essentialism here through the lens of a small business owner's eyes to help us better define the stepping stones that lie on one's pathway to excellence. All right, and let me give you just a very simple example. I call this little segment cognition, complexity, and counting questions. So I'm going to take you through a simple example. First of all, the new 2023-24 Baldrige Framework for Excellence, the new criteria, in other words, just dropped. We have it for healthcare, for business, not-for-profit, small business. I believe the education is about to come out. I'd heard rumors of a simpler design. And so I jumped to item 3.2 in the new criteria. I wanted to see if this item Customer engagement item 3.2 was simpler, was easier to understand, created less stress, less required less of a cognitive load to process. But remember, my Baldrige Examiner filter is no longer dominant. Small business owner filters dominant. So what did I see? 
Did the new format impress me? Well, I could see the newness, but there's simply still too many questions. How many questions for this process item, you might ask? That's where it truly became interesting. And please, if you start thinking of the count the F's exercise as I go through this, don't feel bad. I did too. One cannot simply count the question marks for item 3.2 and get the correct numerical answer. I believe technically five questions are presented as two sets of bullet points and there's only two question marks, but they are assumed for the other three bullets. So I believe that grammatically when you have bulleted questions, you only put a question mark on the last bullet but all of them are questions. How many triangles are inside the big triangle? Oh, sorry, how many Fs are in the paragraph? As you can see, complexity can trigger confusion. For this one item, 3.2 customer engagement, I count 14 questions, but many of them are compound questions. More than one question per question mark. The item's overarching basic requirements question is the first one of the 14. Five of the 14 are overall requirements questions. But by now, most of my customers are lost. What they see is just too many questions and too many words. And actually, from this list of 14, there's two or three I normally have customers focus on. How many of these questions do I have to answer? I've been asked that. And then once someone asks me, then I start asking myself and the OCD takes over and we go ask, ask every day. Three years of isolation and reflection so played a major role in shifting my operational excellence strategies. But the regular application of the criteria to my own small business, even though I'm a sole proprietor in a focused manner, that's what gave me greater returns. I don't have a team of people where one person can attack each category. I'm forced to integrate. I've always looked at my sole proprietorship through a Baldry's lens, but that lens had a criteria design bias. I tried to fit everything to the six process areas. I tried to fit things to the Baldrige questions. A sequence of categories with items and questions within those categories exists to be followed. It's not a checklist. But it does point us the right direction, right? And so I tried to visualize the 50-page application creation process through two sets of eyes. And I've written two applications internally for organizations where I worked. We never applied, but they gave us the roadmaps for where we wanted to go. And we doubled our sales in one organization in five years and then refined our models in a second organization and doubled sales in three years without doubling the workforce without doubling expenses. So imagine you're a small business owner. The typical first reaction my small business customers have to the criteria is twofold. First they ask, how much of this do I have to do? How many of these questions do I have to answer? Then they simply say, I don't have time for this right now. Which got me thinking, given the time crunch, Given the need for work-life balance, what does it take to sustain operational excellence? How many of these questions do I have to answer or must answers? Well, if you're truly just perceive, pursuing recognition, 
you've got to have above average results in key areas of importance. 45% of the Baldry score comes from results. You can't fake your results. You can fake them on paper when you apply, but that'll come apart in the site visit. So most applications use 20 or so pages to present roughly 75 different results across the 75 results areas. They tend to show you their best stuff. We look for what's missing. We look for what's inconsistent. But that's the results side. And like I said, it can't be faked. Let's look at the process side because that's that framework of how we spend time each day to be operationally excellent. And that's where we need to have that shift in perspective. That's where most people must describe how their work systems are designed and executed to achieve strategy, mission, vision, and values. And people don't see work that way. I've tested it too many times. Most people struggle to even list the work processes they own. What work processes do you spend time on each day? I get blank looks so much time, so many times. But if you ask people, what are the things you spend time on? They can tell you that. Now, to be fair to the criteria designers and to the process, the questions are broken into progressively more detailed groups. When I've run these thoughts by some examiner peers of mine with significant experience, they say, well, if you understand the criteria, experienced examiners get it. They understand the difference between basic requirements, overall requirements, and multiple requirements. They understand that you don't have to pursue it like a checklist where every question must be answered. But when people look at the criteria for the first time or maybe even the first few times, that's not how they see it. The short answer is, I've done the math. You do not have to answer all the questions. Don't even have to answer half the questions. And that should be seen as a relief to leaders. But we need to communicate this different way of looking at the Malcolm Baldridge National Award criteria to our smaller business owners. You don't even have to answer all of the overall requirements in order to be recognized. Those questions span the gap between the basically nebulous, basically requirement questions and the only an examiner can love them, textbook-like multiple requirement questions. Four or more strengths for an item is good. Examiners are only asked to identify around six of the top strengths and opportunities for improvement. So if you could come up with four truly systematic, well-deployed, refined over time strengths, and I believe you honestly can because to me, the areas that I focus on are key areas. I mean, take strategic planning workflow. Do you have a strategic planning workflow? If you do, it's systematic. Now, do you engage the right people in the execution of that workflow over the course of a year? If you can show me that you do, you're headed in the right direction. Can you show me how you've made refinements to that workflow based on senior leader and other stakeholder feedback? If you can, that's even better. And then can you show me how different work systems in the organization feed information into this planning process and use information from the planning process to continue to do their own thing? Hey, man, we've got approach deployment, learning, and integration covered. The key is how effective is that process? But that's not 10 questions or 15 questions. It's probably two or three. 
So please keep that in mind, both when you're using this yourself and when you're helping others. And so we want to change how we see, use, and explain Baldrige to others. So where'd all this stuff leave me? It's every day. I think of this every day. Give it probably an hour every day, if not more. First of all, focus on the vital few, not the trivial many. There is a logical and linear progression leaders follow as they put the criteria in place. I mean, if you've got six leaders, one to lead each process category, you get there faster just by math. But for us, a small business owner, let's say it was me and a business partner, each of us would work on different things and reach consensus, but there's still a logical and linear progression. There's certain things you must do first before you can do something else. There's prerequisites. You can per CPM this thing. To run any size organization well, there's some basic worst systems that must be in place. And I said, well, not average. I meant above average. Also, because we work now in an even more hyperdynamic external environment, we have to have consistent refinement over time if we want to maintain even above average, let alone great results. Now, digitalization is going to help force us into a more integrated work world. We already see that in healthcare, where in the last five to seven years, they have become much more digital than they were 10 years back. However, leaders must choose when to begin the tech journey and where to begin the tech journey and who to bring along the tech journey. Leaders must decide when to say goodbye to silos and hello to the value stream. Because in Baldry's, we focus on the value stream processes, the processes that support that value stream, and then our continuous improvement processes like research and development, training, process improvement, things of that nature. This is where my greatest epiphany occurred. Leaders do most of the day-to-day Baldrige-type work. If their job designs don't include time for Baldrige-type work, we're not going to make much progress. Also, if leaders' jobs are not designed to include Baldrige-type work, in other words, using management by fact to manage process performance and improve processes over time, they're not going to develop the daily work habits that lead to great work system results. But again, remember, past recipients have given us great blueprints for how to do this. And because there's so many past recipients now, we can form cohorts of recipients like us. We've just never looked at the graphics in an application as a blueprint. We've never seen the workflows in an application as a model for excellence. And so we've got a super source for best practice blueprints, workflows, and tools. You'll take the leader communication blueprint that you can find in almost any national level Baldrige application. And essentially what that blueprint shows you is that all the different types of meetings leaders have with different stakeholder groups, how often they occur, the purpose of the meeting, uh, so on and so forth. But it shows how leaders time is spent with stakeholders. You can do math on how long will it take to complete that blueprint in a month or in a quarter or in a year. We can say the same for the customer listening post blueprint, the community engagement blueprints. They're common in applications. Almost all of these blueprints show how leaders spend their time primarily 
You know, in most organizations, the hourly staff, the they don't spend that much time on process improvement. They're engaged in a variety of ways, but if you actually look at how their 8, 10, 12 hours a day are spent, a small percentage goes to process improvement. High percentage goes to value stream or value stream support. And so there's roughly 25 blueprints and workflows that are common to high-performance organizations. And you'd recognize the nine, you know, strategic objectives blueprint. As a set, these blueprints and workflows help define how leaders should spend their daily work time to support OPEX. Leadership development workflow, complaint resolution workflow, customer satisfaction workflow. I almost picked this up years ago. You know, what, 16 years ago when I wrote my high uh, performance work culture book, I came up with 30 different approaches that I found common to site visit level Baldry's applicants. However, I saw them as site visit level Baldry's applicant approaches. Three in each of the six, sorry, 10 in each of the Baldridge categories. Actually came up with, I believe, 10 different work systems with three key approaches for each of the 10 work systems. But it's very similar to the list that I'm going to share with you here in just a little bit. But it was seen as a list of approaches that applicants for Baldridge need, not as a connection of things leaders do consistently to run an organization in an excellent manner. Now, within the Baldridge world, especially within the Baldridge applicant world, over time, organizations have refined these tools because they learn from each other. They go to Quest each year. They share best practices. Then the regional groups and the state groups also do the same. But you almost still need a Baldry's Examiner degree to connect them to the daily work habits all staff and live. You know, what does a customer engagement work system look like on a daily basis? Well, everybody should play a role in the execution of the processes that make up the customer engagement work system. But often it's integrated into other things that we do. But we've also got this no time in my job for improvement stuff dilemma, right? So we've got complicated criteria. We've got a great chance to learn out there. But darn it, they're saying, I just don't have time for it. And so I said, well, how can it all blend together? And this all coalesced in, into a next-gen leader standard work-based perspective. I learned block out the unnecessary, put the goal within reach. And I had to keep in mind that this is not about how to do the least amount of work possible and gain Baldridge recognition. That's, to attempt to do so is unethical, at least to examiners, and I think it's a waste of time. It could be embarrassing, massively embarrassing. It's a waste of time, I think, because you cannot fake sustained evidence of excellence against relevant benchmarks in all areas of importance. In other words, you're not going to get many results points if you don't have good results. What I want to do is give the 30 million U.S. small and self-employed business owners a logical and effective path to sustained operational excellence. According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, there's around 7 or 8 million small business owners, you know, businesses under 500 people, and then there's a whole lot of 
folks like me, self-employed sole proprietors. But we need this stuff to run our businesses. There's many 10-person, 25-person organizations that generate $20, $30 million a year in revenue. And are they optimizing their customer experience and their staff experience and creating a sustainable organization for the future? I mean, there are cases where multiple requirement level system features must be part of how your organization works. Sometimes the little questions matter. If you work in a competitive tech-driven environment, your planning systems better be a bit more dynamic, customer-centric, and agile than the norm. In such cases, more of the questions for a given item come into play. Still, one well-designed approach can answer multiple questions. So with the strategic planning example I gave earlier, one well-designed workflow with some good verbiage to describe it can cover multiple questions in the criteria. The more important thing is how is that planning process integrated into all stakeholders' lives and our staff's daily work habits. Plus, we have to remember that our key factors determine which questions matter most. That's not to the examiner's, it's not the examiner's choice. That's where the irony lies. You know, I struggle to see how any organization can be effective if you don't explicitly define the different elements that make up the organizational profile. If you don't know the key legal and regulatory factors that affect your business or service, you are going to be in trouble. I've met organizations with three to five people where not everyone has a shared vision on the mission of the organization. How many organizations operate where missions exist only in the minds of a few leaders? We don't have mission consistency across our workforce, let alone alignment. A simple starting point, all right? Where are we going to go with this as we wrap things up? Remember, I live this all through the perspective of a small business owner now. I, 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 I look at Baldridge applications regularly. I keep track of where the program is going, but I haven't done examiner stuff in about three years now. Years of small business work experience helped me become an examiner. I mean, I looked at Criteria Today. I did analysis on Criteria Today counting questions for this post. I just bought the new criteria almost as soon as they came out. But my heart is with the small business. Most of my initial site visits and applications came from organizations with fewer than 500 people. That's the OPEX world I prefer. Plus, I believe that today's technology and where it's going gives smaller organizations competitive leverage relative to work system deployment and especially work system integration. So where do we start? Which questions do we tackle after we complete our profile? Well, for starters, don't get hung up or count the 12 holistic basic requirement questions. Questions like, how do senior leaders lead? How do you develop strategy? Those are givens. You have to answer those. Focus on the more specific questions that get to what you would say if you tried to answer the broader question. Do the profile first. See what that gives you. That will give you a lot. That will give you strategic objectives. It will give you assumptions. It will give you strategic advantages. It will give you strategic challenges. You know, the core stuff you need to develop strategy. Once you've got that, then 
there's about four to five overall requirement. In other words, bold questions to look at. And you can look at your cohort recipient application summaries to look at what they focus on. I'm also quite happy to send you my four-stage pathway to excellence map with a little more detail. Just message me. Email me at kevin at greatsystems.com. All you have to do is ask. I'm looking for a personally more focused path to sustained daily job excellence. That's what I teach leaders. That's the daily work habits we're after if we want to sustain this over time. Now, as I do with everything, I'm a biohacker. I'm testing this new perspective out on my own business. And I did some testing in the last few months before I started, before I wrote this advocacy post, advocacy podcast. Such validation is necessary. I have little time for work system elements that don't add value. And so I would hate to recommend to other sole proprietors and small business owners and leaders things that don't work. It's okay to be a consultant, but don't sell antiques. I could take the time to design the work system bells and whistles necessary to answer almost all the criteria questions. That's what the experience in the process gave me and the experience in applying it in my own organizations gave me and the experience in teaching to others gave me. But there's a law of diminishing return. Just like we find with Duran's optimum quality cost function. There's around 50 key blueprints, workflows, and tools that I need as a small business owner to build a better organization, and I suspect it would be similar for you. I want to build and share a simpler, more focused path to excellence with a smaller workplace flavor. My customers are more like those you see on Bar Rescue or Restaurant Impossible. When it comes to work systems, these folks are lucky if they have anything formal in place. They may not even have an employee handbook. And yet, they often have moments when they can provide excellent service or products to their customers. That's their potential. How great could they be with some simple, easy-to-use blueprints, workflows, and tools for excellence in hand? So I always welcome your thoughts. Please connect with me on LinkedIn. That's the primary place where I share information. I'm happy to chat at any time. I appreciate your messages through LinkedIn. I do a little I will notice Facebook content, but I do not regularly post there like I do on LinkedIn. The Great Systems website is also a decent place to go. And if you're ever out on the West Coast in the United States, give some thought to dropping by the Oregon Forest and see what Great Systems is like. It's quite peaceful. It's quite focused, and I'd like to say that it's quite fun. So thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. Do visit the Baldridge website. I've got many links in this post. It's easy to find with NIST Baldridge quality keywords. They've got all kinds of free stuff. Yes, there is some pay stuff, but there's also some good uh, free stuff. I'm quite happy to take your questions. That's going to wrap up today's podcast. I hope all of you have... An excellent day, an excellent 2023, and most importantly, keep improving.